Um, so do the Warriors have a big enough lead where they kind of don't even have the playoffs, where they just give it to them? <laughs> you mean they just they just give them the title before the playoffs? Exactly. But it has to be uh, delivered by a couple of Lakers. <laughs> just being honest. <laughs> well, you, you better enjoy uh, making fun of the Lakers while you can, because tonight is the last night of the regular season. Ooh. Wait, wait you're acting like there's not next year. Are they suddenly good? No, they're going to be terrible next year, but I mean, at least um, I'll have a hiatus for the next, um, you know, handful of months, six months or so. You'll put the suffering on pause. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, actually, no, you won't, because uh, 2015 Giants are probably going to be kind of a mess. Not a great start to the year. It's shape. Yeah. The pitching hasn't been bad, but it's just we can't, we can't put runs on the board. It's a long season. Yeah. Uh, when's, uh, how's Hunter Pence recovering? What's, I it, think, what's his deal? I think well. I think uh, I saw something from Bochi a couple of days ago saying that he he wasn't too far off. <laughs> you got a DM from him? I, yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, well, um, text message, actually. Got, oh, yeah, he's, a, he's an Android user, no iMessage. Gotcha. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> he's got a HTC G1. <laughs> oh, uh, man early stage android jokes everybody gets it yeah all right so uh what what interesting stuff happened this week i, I think there was a lot of disappointment and a lot of uh sad settling a lot me. of conf- a lot of confusion a lot of bewilderment maybe maybe um so wow i mean where do you where do you even start with this so you know we we talked a lot uh on the show from a few weeks back when the the new MacBook was announced, uh, and we were we were very excited about it. Um, you in particular, and I wasn't too far behind you, were very adamant that we were going to get one of these. And um, so they, they they you know came out on on Friday the tenth, and it was a really really weird rollout where they were they were not available for any form of in store pickup at any location. You could order one to have shipped to you, but I think the earliest it would arrive was what? What was it? Something like April twenty second or somewhere thereabouts. So, so I'll I'll briefly describe my experience. So, on Apple Watch launch night or whatever, when apparently like you know there's a whole Apple Watch hoopla, and then there was supposed to also be the the MacBook. So on the website, it just showed like there was no in store availability. It just said shipping in one to three days, and that was fine. Um, and then by the morning, uh, certain like the gold one and a few things had shipped to like three to four weeks. So I went to uh, the local Apple store and uh, there were none on display and there were none in stock. So apparently like keeping uh, true to the Angela Aaron's letter, apparently like the Apple stores, they don't sell anything anymore. It's all just a, a, a way to send people to the website. So it, it was a really, really strange launch. Very. Um, and you, I think the first time you went into the Apple store, they didn't even have demo units, right? Exactly. Like, it was just like, it didn't exist. Was- yeah, so I, so I kept checking throughout the weekend uh, to see if there would be any sort of in-store pickup available. There wasn't. Uh, and finally, on uh, Monday, just stopped by the Apple store on my way home. They did have demo units set up by then, and I, I think you had seen one by then as well. Um, and... Just, I, th- I think the best way to describe it is immediate disappointment from from both of us. I'm not sure about me. I like, I still. So you, you go ahead and give your um your uh, feelings first, because my mine are complicated and, and long. 
So the, the two things that stood out most to me were the keyboard is 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 really just not very good. I, th- I think it's something that you would get used to over time, and that seemed to be the general sentiment for most of the reviews that I read. But, I don't know, get, getting used to a weird keyboard on a $1,300 computer, that seems, I don't know, that seems like a pretty big sacrifice and seems like a, a pretty weird compromise. Um and then the other thing, which is more trivial, but you know, still kind of a factor, I was really excited about the Space Gray, and actually on that show from a few weeks back, we kept talking about how excited we were about that new color, and it, it's kind of, it's kind of not very good looking in person. I mean, it's, it's okay, but um, I think you described it as reminding you of kind of like the Sony Vio color from back in the day. So I didn't mind the color at all. I, I, I thought the way they approached the like non-light-up Apple where they made it kind of reflective and shiny as though it is um, on the current iPads. But um, yeah, the Space Gray, um, there's this computer that I always wanted really badly, like in like the early 2000s. It was the Sony Vio SZ series. And it had this kind of like nice, like dark gray, titanium, carbon fiber-ish feel. It looked very nice, and I think that's what this looks like. But I think it's a heck of a lot of Space Gray all at once. I think it's very fitting like on an iPad. But on the laptop, it looks a little weird, but I still think it looked good. And I thought it was a nice departure from, like, just kind of the ubiquitous, um, like, bright silver aluminum that every laptop has been for the past, um, like, decade and a half. Yeah, I, it, I, it did not look bad. It just didn't look as nice as I, I thought it would. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, you know, on the, on the positive side, it, it is, you know, ridiculously thin, ridiculously light. Just the overall design of it does make even the most current MacBook Pros look a little dinosaur-ish. Most definitely. I mean, the the, the screen looks perfect. Um, the, the screen look the screen looks really good, but I I was talking to you about this too when I was checking it out in the store. I'm not a huge fan of the aspect ratio. I think you're. I I don't. I think you were wrong when you said that every uh, the only one that's 16 by 9 is the MacBook Air 11-inch. I believe it's the exact same uh, aspect ratio as every other Mac. Oh, uh, you know what? I guess... So, yeah, I'm looking this up now. You are right. They are... All the MacBook Pros, MacBook Airs, and the new MacBook are 16 by 10, with the exception of the uh, 11-inch MacBook Air, which is 16 by 9. Yeah, which I generally don't like. I mean, the only practical a practical advantage that would have is for video but everything else um a screen that's too wide and then you get into the service problem i i guess maybe it was just sort of a optical illusion between sort of the odd 12 inch size and then also with the weird kind of wide keyboard okay all right so can i can i dive into the keyboard yes so i was extremely extremely like gung-ho and, and really excited about this computer D- ditching all the compromises the single port stuff the the whole putting aside my kind of like power user aspects of a computer like i was even to the point where i was thinking that a rational solution to my computing like situation would be uh, like an underpowered uh, 1.2 gigahertz macbook and like an, a, a retina 5k imac which which is a ridiculous um like way, way to do things to compensate for an underpowered computer but like I was like, it, it's beautiful and it's tiny and it's light and it, and it does everything I want. And it was kind of like everybody keeps saying in the reviews that it's like the iPad of Macs, 
which is kind of what I had been going for. Like I even went through that whole experiment of trying to use an iPad Air 2 um, with a keyboard to try to find like the lightest possible um, computing device that I could get. But even with all that, the moment you try the keyboard, it, it just all goes away because it's one compromise too far. And and the ways that they try to compensate... So the the issue is that the computer is just so darn thin that they don't have the room to give keys um, the depth that they need to kind of, like, push themselves in. Um, <clears throat> and for me, like, they made the keys much larger in order to compensate to give you more room to tap. But I found that, like, way worse. That the places that you... Like, the spacing between the keys wasn't there which made it even harder to type on. So I was missing keystrokes all over the place. It wasn't that like I really minded the feel of it. It's just that you either had to push really hard or you would you would miss like a whole bunch of keystrokes. And for a device that I'm going to type on like that that is supposed to be a productivity device otherwise I would just use my phone or an iPad, that's like a complete non-starter. And no matter how thin and light something is, it doesn't just doesn't work. It, it it was the size of the keys that I found to be the most disappointing part of the keyboard. I, I wasn't too put off by the lack of travel in the keys. That's the part I think w that would be easiest to get used to. But I, I'm exactly with you where just the size of the keys, I was finding myself almost like going back to the early days of first learning how to type on the iPhone where you, I, I would just be missing keys left and right. And I guess, you know, in that case, I did get used to it, and now I'm I'm probably faster typing on the iPhone keyboard than just about any other keyboard on any computer or smart device, but... What? Wait, you... I don't believe... You can type quicker on an iPhone than you can on a traditional computer? I, at this point, probably, because I don't do a lot of long-form writing on my computer, and I haven't in years, so... Okay, before, before you go to bed, you need to go to TypeRacer, and you have to tell me how much, how quickly you type. Cause, Maybe... Because I think I that's might be I might be exaggerating, but the point <laughs> being, with this new MacBook, I just... I don't know. I, I don't know if I ever would have come to really like the keyboard, and I thought you said something um, insightful when we were talking about it, too, where... If you were using the MacBook and then also using another computer or computers, which you know presumably you would, this MacBook's not really meant to be your one and only computer, it'd be really strange to keep going back and forth between that keyboard and more traditional keyboards. Exactly, because that's the thing. Like, and here's what I'm like: I spent like a, an an odd amount of time. Like, I I, I was there for like a, a like an entire half hour just trying to get better at the keyboard. And it like I, I did for a little bit, and then I went and typed on like the, like a regular Apple wireless keyboard and then a MacBook keyboard, and I just unlearned all of it. Like I, I just got just as bad as I was before, and it seems like uh, it, I don't know what I was learning for. Just a, like a weird like compromised laptop, I was just trying to adjust to it, and it still wasn't very good. Like all the reviews cited that the larger keys and like these new switches are what make it like they make up for the loss in key travel. But I, I don't see how that's possible. It, it makes it worse. Like I, the, my problem is that like the laptop, it looks like they designed the keyboard 
like design first and function second. Like it looks really pretty to the point where even the space bar is in the wrong place and like the and like the arrow keys are all like misaligned just so it looks nice, but functionally it's terrible. Like so unless it's like this is a computer designed for touch typists and people who aren't going to do anything on their computers, I, I don't see who can get used to this. Well, and maybe that's the criticism of the computer as a whole is that it's design first, function second. Yeah, but it's so pretty. It it is very pretty. Um, you know, it, it it's striking to see in person, and that's you know that's very typical of most of Apple's products. Where I think the weight and the the thinness, you know, particularly with the iPad and iPhone, you really do have to see it in person to appreciate it, and it, that's no different with this MacBook. Yeah. Overall, I think it felt like typing on a microwave. <laughs> Show title. Uh, um, so, um, now I guess to, 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 you know, get into what, what this all led up to. So, so my personal story is that for quite a long time now, I've wanted to get a, um, some Mac laptop to just have as a, a personal computer that I would bring with me to work and pretty much use for everything except for the things that I, that I do for work, primarily working with, you know, like larger Excel spreadsheets you know, mostly just because my work laptop sort of by necessity is a Windows machine, which, you know, given the choice between OS 10 and Windows, I would generally choose OS 10. And, you know, I've, I've, I've thought that it would be really nice to have a, a personal, you know, Mac to, to use for that purpose. But I've, I've been hesitant for a really long time just because the idea of carrying around two laptops is, is kind of silly and, you know, kind of heavy in a backpack. And so what I've been waiting and waiting for is for the MacBook Air to come out with a retina display. I thought that would be the you know, perfect compromise to have a real super thin and light computer so that you know carrying two computers wouldn't be wouldn't be quite as big of a deal. And then, you know, when this when this MacBook came out, I thought, okay, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And when that didn't really seem like a good fit anymore, I you know, I kind of just came to this realization that a retina macbook airs not maybe never happening in the form that we would want to see it or if it is not for quite some time so you know what 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 to do now and when i was in the store checking out the macbook i also went and you know just played a little played around with the 13 inch macbook pro retina which they also you know revised when the macbook came out they added the force touch trackpad they did a processor bump and i think the battery life's a little bit better and i don't know it was it was probably just because i had just been playing around with the macbook but everything about the 13 inch retina just seemed perfect the keyboard's fantastic the new trackpad is awesome the screen looks phenomenal you know everything about it just it was just kind of felt right so you know, i left the store kind of slept on it overnight thought about it some more and then, you know, the next day, yesterday, I went ahead and ordered and picked up just the, the you know, very base model 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro. And, you know, I've only had it for 24 hours. I've only brought it to work once. But um, early impressions are very positive, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about my decision. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're back on the side of uh, 
Because I, I remember you were uh, you were sour. Like, or you kept um, saying that you just uh, a, a separate Mac was not something that you needed in your life. You were you were very you were very strong in that. You kept saying that the iPad was a good um, like couch computer. You only use um, your uh, Mac Mini for uh, one thing a week, which which is this podcast. And you're like, I'm I'm totally fine with just a work laptop and an iPad and an iPhone. I mean, it, it is it is. It is a frivolous purchase. There's kind of no way around that. I mean, just just the concept of now carrying around two laptops is is kind of ridiculous. Well, I think I think you can fix that pretty soon. Maybe, um, but you know, at the end of the day, I I just I really do enjoy using a Mac for my day to day activities, I, especially now with just the whole iCloud concept and just in general how great syncing is across multiple devices, not just between Macs, but also between your Mac and iPhone. Um, with that now, it, it just using a Mac is just so much nicer. And so even though it is a bit of a, again, kind of unnecessary thing to have, I, I think I'm going to be pretty happy with it. So you, you ended up after the, the MacBook experience over the weekend going down a similar path. Uh, Yeah. Um, so I, I think I've, I'm not sure if I've discussed it uh, on the podcast, but I've had this 15 inch, I, I, I'm, I, so with most Apple stuff, I, I'm the idiot. I'm the person who buys the, uh, the bust ass, uh, first generation of whatever Apple makes. Oh, you've, you've mentioned it on the show a few times. Okay. So I bought the early, uh, the mid 2012, uh, the first retina MacBook pro 15 inch. And it was a great computer for like six months until the screen started failing. It had horrible, horrible image retention issues. It now has this weird dot in the right corner. Uh, the battery has gone gone to hell, and um, it's it's just kind of heavy to tote everywhere for me. It's it's it borders on just being kind of like just too heavy to take. That's why I really wanted that iPad solution. So that's why kind of the MacBook is is just like I I wanted a Retina Air so bad because I thought that would solve everything, and that's that's just what I wanted, and uh, that was not to be. And then the the MacBook turned out to be a uh, gigantic disappointment. So I ended up settling um, and just getting kind of the the highest end um, 13 inch uh, Retina MacBook Pro. Now that they updated it, and I think I think it's going to be fine. I don't think I'm going to love it. I think I think like the 13 inch MacBook Pro is like the chicken sandwich of computers. Like it's not it's not great, but it's but it's not bad. Um, and and I think uh, it'll be fine. Yeah, you know one one thing about it, and maybe this is just because you know again having seen the new the new macbook in person but it, it, the 13 inch retina feels a little heavy there's just it's not heavy i mean it's it's barely over what three pounds but i don't know something about it just it feels heavy it certainly does and i think it, a couple things so like versus the 15 inch even though i know that's a pound more and it's the exact same thickness <clears throat> because uh like length and width wise the um the 13 inch uh is it, just smaller it looks thicker, which is, is is strange. Even though it's 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 absolutely not. It's the exact same. And it, but yeah, it'd be, I I think a lot of it is kind of that um like the wedge shape that the airs have that makes like it, there's an illusion that it's lighter and thinner than it really is. So yeah, I I think uh, yeah the the 13 inch fits um fits a weird spot, but also I think like performance for performance and versatility for like per inch and per pound is is impossible to beat right now 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, I think we mentioned this on the show, but there was a good episode of ATP where the guys Stupid were John talking Syracuse about... Because <laughs> he, he was right, and it makes me angry. Yeah, the guys were talking about how the MacBook, one of the, the main things it did was highlight what a functional and versatile computer the 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro is. Yeah. It is. It, it really is just sort of a a perfect middle ground between functionality and also, I mean, you know, even though we are kind of poking, um, poking at its weight and its size, you know, compared to the MacBook in the, in the grand scheme of things, it still is a phenomenally thin and light machine for what it is. It is. And I mean, the battery life seems to be pretty good so far. I mean, it's, it's, it's a worthwhile successor. And I think, um, what I'm going to end up doing because of the loss of screen real estate is that I'll probably end up getting a, like a 5k ex- or sorry a 4k external monitor and just getting like a keyboard and mouse and kind of using it that way for when I am at my desk. Yeah, I you know, I it's funny. I I kind of expected this to happen, but um you know, having this beautiful Retina display and this you know, this is my first Retina Mac. Um it it, re- it really is phenomenal. Looking um, at other monitors hard. That's like why like I kept like thinking like the thirteen inch or sorry, the thirteen inch MacBook Air is just an amazing computer. Like the twelve hour battery, it's fantastic. But the screen is ugh. Awful, yeah. Um so yeah, so I've got this Retina MacBook Pro now sitting next to my work laptop, which I have on a stand so that I can keep it open using it as a second display. And it's also connected to an external monitor. And of course, neither the X1 that I have or the display it's connected to are anywhere near 4K. They're just standard LCD displays. So, you know, I mean, it's not its not really that big of a deal. I mean, it's really no different than going back and forth between my laptop and my iPhone throughout the day. Um, but um, the, the difference is pretty striking. And again, the, the display on the Retina MacBook Pro is, is beautiful. Yeah. So where, for you, um, where does the... Um... Where does the Mac Mini fit in this? Won't that because that kind of has to get worked out of the system, doesn't it? It just seems very, very redundant at this point. Yeah. So I mean, one of the things that I thought about as I was purchasing the computer yesterday was, um, you know, do I do I sell my Mac Mini? I think it becomes um, a home theater computer. But well, because see, I, I don't really have enough. A, I don't have a well. So okay, so. The, you know, the thing was, I, I had a 15-inch MacBook Pro, which is the computer I used in college. And that's that's what we used to record the show for the first year or two. And, um, you know, it the, the laptop literally never left my desk pretty much the entire time since we had been out of school. And so I, and it was also starting to show its age a little bit. It was kind of slow. And so I decided to get this Mac Mini. And, you know, at the time I got the Mini, I, I sold the MacBook Pro because, like you're saying now, it's kind of redundant to have both. And so I'm kind of in the same spot now where I've got this new, fast MacBook Pro, um, which actually, you know, even though it, um, I guess it does have a faster processor now than my Mac Mini, it has less RAM, but it, it de- definitely does feel faster. Um, we, should, we should circle back to the fact that you got 128 gigs. Well, okay, gigs. we can come back come back to that i did get the very very base model i mean again this is this was kind of a hard purchase to justify so um the idea of spending more to get marginally better specs and more storage space which i didn't really need anyway we can come back to that but so yeah i'm thinking about the mac mini um and selling it but 
yeah, I mean, my my thought is that I don't know if I'd get enough to justify selling it. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, it has 16 gigabytes of RAM, which is nice. Um, it, it, it's a good setup for the show. And it, it's connected to, you know, my cinema display, which I guess yeah, the MacBook Pro could be too. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'll, I'll probably end up just keeping it. Because, you know, like I was talking earlier about how syncing is so great now between machines, it's it's pretty pretty easy to have multiple computers now and, and keeping them all in synchronization with one another, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So actually, I, can I jump off that uh, nice setup? Please. So when I, when I was setting up this computer, uh, this is the first time I've ever set up a new computer and not restored from a backup. And and I find it really novel that I'm able to do that. I have basically every like uh, like work fi- or like um, file I create or work on in Dropbox. All my music is in iTunes Match or is in Spotify, and all my photos are in the iPhoto library. And all I have to do is just download the applications I use again, like get their licenses out of one password. My mail is stored in Gmail. Um, it's just all there. So I all I need whenever I need a new computer now is a high speed internet connection and I'm I'm done. And I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I um I actually had a similar thought when I was setting up my computer yesterday thinking back to you know when you, you when you used to get a new computer, I remember or even when you just formatted an existing computer and reinstalled a fresh version of the OS, it would be a full day, maybe even two full days worth of work to get a computer up to a point where you could use it. And, you know, I felt like last night after I had downloaded Dropbox, 1Password, and Chrome, I was pretty much up and running with that MacBook. I could pretty much do just about anything I wanted to do. And that took all of 10 minutes to do. That is, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I, w- I wish mine was that simple. But, but yes, I appreciate the sentiment. So, you know, long story short, I guess we uh, we we did a we did a 180 on on the MacBook. I, th- I think we both we both knew we wanted a, a new laptop. We kind of knew what we were looking for in that new laptop, but I we just kind of mistakenly thought that the MacBook was going to be it. And you know, turns out that <laughs> the computer that we got is one that's been available for what two years now three years it's nice that they just revised it though you know it, it is nice that we're, we're getting fresh fresh processors i really really do like the new trackpad i think it's super neat i think it works really well uh speaker quality is is, is pretty disappointing but um yeah pretty great and you know of course you know it, it's it's a, a vital component of of the show um be doing doing probably most of the editing um on that machine. And you know, I, I've, I've talked a lot on, on the show about how I was previously using Splashtop to just remotely access my Mac Mini to edit the show. And honestly, it, it did work. It worked very well. Um, Editing but, a podcast you know, remote desktop seems like the most maddening experience I could imagine. You know, the, the delay is really not that bad and you just kind of, you kind of just get used to it. Um, but especially with the show lately where I have been trying to get a little bit better about you know, editing out 
you know, static noise in the background, getting volume levels correct, really kind of fine-tuning the show. That's the stuff that's hard to do with remote desktop because even just little things like the volume is different when you're listening to audio remotely as opposed to listening to it locally. So, you know, little things like that make it so doing the type of work that we do on the show remotely just isn't isn't really ideal. So that was another big motivation to, you know, wanting to have a, a Mac right in front of me. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's going to work out. Um, and it, it's actually a pretty reasonably priced machine, I think. It, it, so the, the base model that I got, what's funny? <laughs> I'm, I find a way to make anything not reasonably priced. Well... The, the the you know the the base model machine that I got is exactly the same price as the new MacBook. So, you know, I I was pretty set on getting one of those new machines. So that that's kind of the amount of money that I had in my head that I'd be setting aside for this. So, you know, that the fact that I ended up spending exactly the same amount of money works out pretty well. Um, and I th- I think what you what you get for that money is um is pretty good. It definitely is. And it, it you know the the prices have over time come down because that that 15 inch macbook pro that i bought in college and it it was a fully you know specced out machine every upgrade you could get in it um it was it was really i mean it was pretty pricey even with the like developer discount which i totally abused um i think i still spent like 2500 on it right something like that Mm mm-hmm so, and granted, it had, it had like a you know discrete graphics card, and, some, and it was you know fifteen inch instead of thirteen inch, but still, um, I, f- I feel like for you know thirteen hundred bucks, the machine that you're getting now is is pretty solid, pretty good. Um, all right, was anything anything else with this whole new development? I think that's mainly it. I'm 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 underwhelmed but what what can i expect it is for i guess for me because even though it's a faster processor it's no longer quad core and i'd already gotten one that was very like i i previously had the half terabyte flash i previously had 16 gigs like the performance it doesn't have the performance boost that you'd expect from a new computer but i mean it's 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 not broken and it's uh and the trackpad i, I i'm enjoying a ton and and it's smaller which is it's making a little bit of a difference but it's too early to tell I think I overall I think it's a computer that it's not a computer I'm gonna have for the next four years. It's a computer that I think is gonna be a kind of a stopgap until And that's a great point. Until the MacBook and the rest of the Mac line kind of come more in line with one another. Exactly. I, I would not feel bad if this computer if there was a worthwhile replacement for this computer in a year that took a lot of cues from the MacBook and it'd be kind of like made something more along the lines of a 13-inch MacBook Air uh, with Retina display, th- I would be very happy about that, and I would not feel bad about having to replace this computer sooner than I'd want to. But but the, but just the 12-inch MacBook is, is not it right now. That actually reminds me of one one last little thing I wanted to ask you before we close out this topic is, you know, why why do you think it is that Apple came out with an entire new line of Macs instead of taking the existing Air you know, refreshing its design some, you know, making some design tweaks here and there, 
and adding a retina display. Why don't Why don't you think they went that direction? Uh, I I really don't know. I think the Air has become their like curiously, it's become their cheap entry level model, and it's a, a fantastic computer if you don't have eyes. Um, but I, I I just think that they couldn't take as many risks as they might have wanted to. That's why they made it an entirely new product. But I, I just don't think that was was for the best. And I think and I think I think it's curious that it was called the MacBook rather than the Pro, which like implies like because like the MacBook used to be that the white plastic thing that like every everybody had and you had to pay an extra two hundred dollars if you want the black one. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. I just you know I just think that they could have set it up so that they still had their entry-level non-retina MacBook Air, kept the same starting price, and then basically added a new tier of MacBook Air, you know, the MacBook Air with retina display or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I think that would have been an awesome machine. I, I think the Wait, even, say that again? Well, I'm saying that I, I think they could have kept the, the existing MacBook Air at the same starting price, but then come out with a new tier of MacBook Airs, just called, like, the MacBook Air with retina. And, you know, have those come out at, I don't know, three, four hundred dollars more, whatever. Because I honestly, I, I really do think my ideal computer hasn't changed. It's really just the existing MacBook Air, really even just in its exact same fact, form factor that it's in right now with a retina display. I mean, that, that seems that seems kind of perfect. And, you know, I think what's all the more frustrating is that for years we've said, well, you, they can't really do the retina display in the MacBook Air just because, like, you can't get the battery life, you know, you can't get the price. You just, you, it's just not really feasible. But the new MacBook now shows they, they do have the technology and they, they have the technology at the right price. Because this, I, you know, I, the wait, I, don't, ooh, I, I don't think they do. Well, the MacBook is, I mean, it's $1299 and it's, it's thinner than the MacBook Air, is it not? It it certainly is okay. So why so why couldn't they have the existing MacBook Air, which is slightly bigger, with a Retina display at basically the same price? Uh, per- performance and expandability, like uh, uh, th- well, it's well, but with the so but with the slightly larger body of the MacBook Air, couldn't they even have a faster processor than the MacBook does? But I'm talking about price. You you had said they have the ability to do it at that price, and I don't think they do. Because for better for like it's a very compromised machine, and and I was able to while playing with it in store. Like if I open the same number of apps that I would normally have open, like I have, I have iTunes, I have a, a text editor open, I have a browser with like uh, five to ten tabs in it. It it you could I was able to tell pretty quickly that the processor would get bogged down. So I think if you put a semi-modern i5 or i7 processor in there that it no longer becomes quite as affordable. Hmm. That's why I would really enjoy there being like like it that a Retina MacBook Air model could be like the higher end one where they can justify like a two thousand dollar price or something, where they could take those um, be a little more adventurous on performance. The, the MacBook Air could kind of go back to its roots as being the the top end machine. I'd be fine with that. Or they could have a MacBook Pro Lite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's a very logical thing 
are very logical guess to make that over the next couple of years, the MacBook Pro line is going to become more and more like the MacBook. And that's maybe maybe that ends up being the sweet spot. I'm not. I'm not sure what you mean. I'm not really sure exactly what I mean either, but because then it stops being a pro. Like, so you mean they're gradually going to take away all the ports? Well, I don't know. I guess, <laughs> I guess all I want is a thinner and lighter MacBook Pro. Me too. Like, if they, if they, even if they got rid of MagSafe, and again, I think that's the, the where we should end it. But uh, we we still very much enjoy MagSafe, and that that was a weird compromise that I was thinking I wanted to make with it, but it's it's still kind of a, kind of a bummer that it wouldn't be there. I mean, no, no joke. Today, I you know plugged in my my laptop for the first time. I I hadn't put the cord in a very good spot, so I kind of kicked it at one point during the day. Uh, the cable didn't actually come out; it didn't really hit it that hard. But I thought to myself, "Yeah, I'm I'm really glad I have MagSafe." Yeah. Um. Wait, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, like like if a new Mac Pro just had a whole bunch of um USB C ports, I would be fine with that. But if it becomes like a one or two port thing. I don't think that can carry the pro name. I mean, I don't know that that is a other really nice feature about the pros. It just, you know, the fact that it has HDMI that built an SD card, Thunderbolt. Yeah. Like all that little stuff is super great. Um, yeah, I don't know. The more, the more I think about it, the less sense the new MacBook makes. It's almost like a, it's almost like a concept machine, but it's so well, as most concept products are. Most concept products are ugly. Well, Not to me. Anyway, um, I guess the last little bit of like Apple-related stuff um, is is the Apple Watch pre-order setup. So, you know, on last Thursday night, stayed up till midnight. Um, you know, there's been a pretty consistent trend over the last few years where if you use the Apple Store app on either, you know, your iPhone or iPad, the experience is pretty great. I've never really had any issue with, you know, pages timing out or credit card transactions not being processed. The whole experience has been super smooth. And it was no different with the Apple Watch. I logged on. They were a couple minutes late. It was like, you know, 12.03 or whatever. The store came back, you know, quickly put in my order um, it, it was super, super smooth, you know, easy experience, but, um, much to my chagrin, uh, the estimated delivery date is not April 24th, but between May 13th and May 27th, which, um, I was pretty disappointed by at first, but then, you know, the next morning I, I read around, uh, Jason Snell actually bought the exact same, you know, model and everything I did some model and size that I did that 42 millimeter space gray sport model. And he had, he had exactly the same ship dates as did a, a coworker of mine. So it seems like anybody who ordered the 42 millimeter size did not get a April 24th delivery date. Um, but my initial reaction, and it seems to be sort of the consensus, maybe it's just uh, optimism on everybody's part, but um, it seems like that, that mid-May date is a pretty conservative estimate, and I I wouldn't be surprised if I end up getting it maybe like that first week of May. But nonetheless, it is a little disappointing not getting it day one. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope I hope you do, and enjoy your fancy watch. And then I guess you know the other the other th- component of this is that when I went in and checked out the MacBook the other day, 
Um, Apple's also got a bunch of demo Apple Watch units that you can just go in and, and try out. And this is this is an addition and separate from their you know kind of try on experience. They just have them set up on the regular tables and you can kind of play around with them. Um, you know, it it seems nice. The screen's really sharp. Um, but I don't know. They, having a touch screen that small is is finicky as you'd expect it to be, especially the weird home screen. I, I found that scrolling through different apps and selecting different apps was kind of weird. The digital crown helps a lot. Like it's actually kind of neat where if you're on the home screen, whatever app is in the center of the screen, if you just scroll the um, digital crown, it'll it'll open the app, which is which is cool. Um, but I don't know. It, it seems like, and this is also kind of a general impression that a lot of people have walked away from. It seems like something that's going to take a little good bit of getting used to. It's not quite as, um, intuitive as the iPhone is or what kind of was when it first came out. Yeah. I mean, I spent uh, quite a bit of time playing around with it as well and at the store and I, I thought, I, th- I thought it was fine. I thought a lot of things would be cool about it. It's, I think a lot of um, a lot of it you can't experience without actually having it on you. Like you can't really um, try out the Taptic Engine or whatever it's called. Um, and you can't really try the kind of like just how the watch actually functions as a timekeeping device with like the the lift to see the time thing. Um, overall, I just found it to be kind of slow and sluggish at a lot of things. And also I found that the user interface just seemed not... I don't, maybe it's just I'm not familiar with it, but it seemed really inconsistent in the sense that you it doesn't do what you'd expect it to do. And once you you kind of start learning how you would how it thinks, is something else that you try doesn't work that way at all. Yeah, what like one of the the little things that I kept doing was you know the dedicated hardware button that's on the side. Oh, I kept thinking that what, was a back button. So I I kept thinking it was the button that would bring you back to the main home display. Mm-hmm. But it, it's actually the button that brings you to the kind of your like, you know, favorite contacts page. And that's the thing. If you press if you press in on the digital crown, that's not necessarily the home button either. And if you hold down on it, which I thought, oh, maybe if you long press on it, it'll, it'll take you there. No, it just sometimes activates Siri, but not every time. So it. Ah, this this product's gonna be a, a kind of a mess. Like even for an early adopter, like I think it because, Yeah. It, it's going to be weird. Also, I think most of the announcements I've seen for applications that are going to be on the watch, a lot of them, well, one, because they're not native applications, it, it's probably going to be plagued with slowness at the start. And also, a lot of them, I'm not really just sold on their utility. Most of them just seem like people who want to be on it rather than somebody actually providing like a unique use case. I I agree with that. I To me... Th- third-party apps need to to prove themselves i'm you know i've can't i've said this on the show countless times but i i find just the notification aspect to be invaluable and so you know for me that that's why i bought the apple watch is because i have my pebble and if i can just get a better version of that and there's no doubt this is a way better version of that um, that's, that's exactly what I want. And if third-party apps end up being super useful, then that's just kind of a, a bonus. But I don't, yeah, I don't really, I don't picture myself running a bunch of third-party apps. Yet you're going to charge this every night. 
Eh, it's like, Again, that wh- doesn't bother me. Where where does it win like its place in your heart to make it worth the trouble? The the notification piece. Hmm. So did did you um did you actually go through the like did you make an appointment and do the whole try on thing? I did. So how did that go? Um, it was it was uh very nice. I, I did it at the Corte Madera Apple Store and. I, I thought it was cool. It seemed like they definitely had a good process in place. Like, um, when, when like, they're like, I'm like, oh, I'm here for like a try-on appointment. And they're like, do you already have an idea of which ones you want? I'm like, well, kind of. And then like, they had somebody who wasn't the try-on person help me narrow down what I actually thought I wanted to try on. But it wasn't kind of a, like, uh, them telling you to get your shit together. They were like, oh, hey, let's, let's find something cool for you. And then I tried some on and I, I didn't feel rushed. And I thought it was a very, very useful experience. And it gave me a lot of insights on like the different bands, and I had very very different reactions than I had previously thought. Like the like the leather magnet loop thing that I thought was gonna be maybe my favorite was it felt like really weird and plasticky, and I didn't really enjoy it at all. Um, whereas the like the classic leather uh, whatever it's called was probably I think one of my favorites. So I, I thought it was um, a very unique way to approach it especially for a product that's not widely available yet. It allows you to make you it allows you to feel much more confident in what you may or may not be buying. Did you get to experience the Taptic engine at all? Uh no, none of them. I I don't believe they were on or if they were on they were just doing some like type of demo thing. So no, I I did not. Yeah. Did you do one? I haven't done one. I I, I probably should though. Yeah, I mean the the sport like everybody keeps saying like that the sport bands don't feel nearly as cheap as you think they wouldn't, and and I, I think that's very true. It it feels very very nice, and I think it would make a, um, I think a lot of people would be happy with it. The Milanese thing seems not as weird and lame as you'd think it would be. Um, and yeah, but it's the it's whatever the the classic buckle or the classic leather is extremely nice. I think that's probably worth um a look for 150. Yeah, um you know, so when you when you order the Space Gray Sport model, you can only get it with the black sport band. There is no other, you know, in the box option. So, you know, that's that's what I got for now, but as we've talked about on the show, I think the main area that that doesn't work is when you want to have it be a little bit more dressy. Um that's 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 where I think having a second nicer band would be really nice, but just looking at them on the website, nothing has really stood out to me, especially when you consider how pricey they are. But um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what the the try on appointment could could help me with. Yeah, I, I would I would very um, I, I would strongly suggest that it. it's very nice. But you, you know, despite all of this, you did not order one. Uh, no. And now, if you wanted one, you'd have to wait until seems like June, pretty much, right? That's that's what they all are now. Uh, apparently, yeah. But you you don't you don't have any interest. Uh, I have a I have a passing interest. We'll see how it goes. Huh. All right. Well. Yeah. Have you? Uh, I, this is going to be uh, uninteresting to anybody else. But um, have you become a little Apple watched out in terms of your podcast listening? Yes. I I, uh, I just I got the notification that there's a new talk show tonight, which normally I'm very excited about, and it also has Joanna Stern on it. But I feel like it's going to be just another two hours of talking about the the, the gosh darn watch, which I'm not sure I can take. Yeah, I just want it to be out and over with. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, well, I guess, so one final bit of Apple news, I promise this is it. WWDC. June 8th through the 12th, I think, are the dates. Mm, there's going to be a new um, Apple TV. There yeah. The, yeah. You know, the invites that Apple sends out for just their smaller events and also for WWDC usually are uh, you know, a pretty good hint at what they're going to be offering. And pretty explicitly, it seems like the logo for this year's WWDC is is a new Apple TV. And people have been interpreting, I forget what the, the, the tagline is, but people have been interpreting that as the evidence that Apple TV is also going to be kind of the center of the whole home kit thing. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, the tagline was the epicenter of change, but the very, very like, um, the main shape in the middle of the invitation looks just like kind of an Apple TV hockey puck. I don't know. I, I still, as, as we've, as we've talked about on the show, I, I just don't really know. I don't really know what they could do with the Apple TV that would get me really excited about it. Make it, make it good. Again, you. I, I feel like I, I feel insane that you suggest that it it performs perfectly for you. Yeah, I I really don't. I don't. I don't use it for a ton. I mean, honestly, I use it to rent iTunes movies and watch Netflix and occasionally do AirPlay. But well, I guess I also use it for like HBO Go and stuff. But I mean, everything I use it for is fine. Videos load fast. They look great. I mean, the 1080p iTunes rentals are, I mean, I they're probably not technically Blu-ray quality, but they're damn close. Um, and I'm, I'm one who's pretty picky with that kind of stuff, too. And I don't know. I'm, I couldn't be happier with the, even the, the current Apple TV. Yeah. Um, did you listen to the ATP episode uh, with uh, them talking about kind of like the, the, um, television accessory boxes no you know i'm I'm two episodes behind so i'm probably it's probably one of those gotcha and not that i think an apple tv would fix this but uh john uh, made a very uh, salient point explaining that for most regular people to get on board with uh streaming content as being a primary way is that like a streaming media box needs to allow you to like reliably just say you want to watch something and it'll work and right now it's still not that place and like, if you want to fast forward through a, through a video, a lot of times, like it'll just forget your place or it'll quit or it'll say there's an error and it'll just drop you back to the Netflix screen. Just a lot of weird things like that, that I, I think people like us will tolerate, but most people won't. And I'm not sure a new Apple TV will fix that, but it's, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a valid complaint. And he made the, the great point that, uh, you know, what still always works a TiVo. Like it, it is, it is the most reliable box of you being able to say, I want to watch something. I press play, and and video appears, and I can't I can't refute that. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I don't I don't have those problems with my Apple TV. So, but we we've we we've talked about this extensively. So, yeah. um, yeah. What 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 small news do we have this week? Some small non Apple news. Um, uh, the return of Guitar Hero. What do you think about this? I don't. So in the, in the last month, we've had announcements of a new uh, rock band and of a new Guitar Hero. It's uh, it's 2008 all over again. <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> is that is that your that is that your hot take? Oh, I hate that term. <laughs> oh, all right, let's let's shut this down. 
Um, no, well, actually, kind of, yes. I think I think I've outgrown it. I used to be totally into that stuff, but I think I even threw away my last uh, uh, rock band guitar that I've been toting around through moves that I haven't used in like four years. Yeah, you know, I when the whole Guitar Hero rock band thing was happening in you know that 2006 to 2010 timeline, I mean, it was perfect for us because those were our college years, and I, it seemed like if you were you know living in some you know modest college apartment that having a bunch of plastic instruments all over your living room seemed just kind of like a socially acceptable thing um and you know the big appeal for these games i think is when you have a big group of people together not only who are playing but who are also watching like you know college is perfect for that um whereas now where you know we're no longer in college. We're adults now. It's not like we're having a bunch of people over at our, our houses regularly. It's just, it doesn't seem quite as socially acceptable at our age to have a bunch of plastic instruments around, particularly when you're usually just going to be using them by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, I am the wrong person to talk to any of this about just because I, I have, I, I am post console gaming. So. To their credit though, with, with Guitar Hero, at least the controller is 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 pretty interesting. They they've gotten rid of the colored buttons that go up and down a majority of the neck, and instead they've just got six buttons, kind of near the top: three white buttons, three black buttons, and um, you know through the whole concept of of colors on the screen or colors on the you know kind of music track. Um, those are all gone, so it's all just about the um, location really of the buttons, you know, left, right, and middle. Um, and you know, the early impressions is that it, it does feel a little bit more like playing a real guitar, but yeah, wasn't there an attachment for rock band that, um, was like a real guitar and it was like, it was like $400. Some, something like that. And there's also another, um, type of game. I think it was called Rocksmith. Where I you, you, I think that's did actually. That I think no, you're thinking of Microsoft no. Songsmith. <laughs> no. Do you remember that? Um, <laughs> no. Okay, look it up after this. Um, I think it was. Let me. I'll, I'll look this up now. I think it's Rocksmith. Yeah, Rocksmith. Um, you you actually use a real guitar with that. So this is you know headed more in that direction, but I don't know. Like I said, I, I think we were we were just sort of the perfect age. We kind of caught the wave right at the right time with that with that first set of these types of games. And I just I don't think I'm at a point in my life now where I I want to I want Guitar Hero back. No, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, as a wise philosopher once said, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, I have to do you have to do you have to note this. Do you have to put a marker down. I uh, no, That's that's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right did we ever talk about uh the ending of uh better call Saul? we haven't no do you want to maybe close out with that sure and mad men's back but uh, snooze mm, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it but whatever no are you are you caught up with it uh, i'm caught up on everything okay yeah um yeah better call Saul. um i thought the i thought the finale was a little anticlimactic but oh, so I don't know. It just nothing didn't really learn a whole lot new that last episode. Um, I think you did. You 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 
got the entire setup to the next season. I mean, yeah, you, you, you got at the very, very end, you got the, you know, him kind of turning into FU mode. And I mean, you, you saw it the whole entire episode. And then you also saw the, um, I think the, the prevailing theory is that uh, Mike was talking to uh, Gus Fring at the end of the episode. And that's, that's getting set up too. Um, so I think a lot of cool things are happening. So I think, uh, no, yeah. Very exciting. Wait, what, I didn't I didn't catch that part about Gus Fring. Yeah, I think it's a pretty big theory that like um you know when um so when Saul's heading back to the courthouse to meet with the um people who are working on like the retirement home case thing and and his uh friend that I forget her name um suggested that oh he should come meet them cuz he probably has a they probably have a job waiting for him. And then he goes and sees Mike and then he um uh he leaves in in record time cuz he didn't even go in there. Uh, you saw Mike on the phone with somebody uh, talking about a new uh, a new job, and I think the prevailing theory is that uh, that's uh, Gus Fring on the phone. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of interesting. So yeah, and I, I just think it, I thought it was a great episode. I, I don't think it was as good as the um, the second to last one, which was really really good. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very very excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it for a while. It should be coming back in October, I believe. That soon? Yeah. The the anti madman. Oh, yeah. I definitely I found myself missing it a lot this week. It, it, like I, I think I had said this on the show. It it really had become the show that I looked forward to watching the most each week. Yeah, yeah. Now now you can go uh, watch Mister Show from the uh, beginning to end. <laughs> that's right. That's a, that's a good show. Um, yeah. That that second to last episode. Maybe that's why I thought the finale was not the best. Is just because that second to last episode was so good. Yeah. I really enjoy, it. and I I thought his um his whole like five minute uh, or just like the really extended breakdown he had uh, calling the bingo game, which I just thought that was fantastic. That went on too long. I don't think it did. I think it went on the perfect amount of time. I I got tired of that scene. Did not at all. Hmm. Agree to disagree. Yes. All right until October. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, we're. We're actually we're following the same uh, release schedule as Better Call Saul. Yes, we're gonna we're, uh, gonna we're gonna run a van. We're gonna just follow them while they film it. It's it's uh it, you know, twelve episodes every eight months. Yeah, and then maybe uh, maybe after uh, Mad Men wraps up, we'll have a two minute conversation about it because that's that's about how interesting it's been. You know, we also have to talk about the you know speaking of like series and things like that, we also have to talk about the Steve Jobs book if we're gonna do something with that. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, yeah. The review, the reviews seem kind of disappointing. And again, I mean, I, I think you're behind. But uh, you have you listened to the John Syracuse and Jason Snell upgrade? I ha- Well, I actually did. I didn't even listen to the whole thing. I got, I got like halfway through it and was over it. Hmm. You missed robot or no robot? I I did miss that. I saw something about that on Twitter, but I didn't get it. <laughs> Missing out. No. Well, nobody that listens to this show every week misses out. That's that's very true. <laughs> until next Monday, or uh, until, until next ne- Wednesday, <laughs> whenever the whenever this stuff comes we've out. Only, we've only been doing it on Wednesdays the entire like three year run of this thing. But I don't know when it gets released to the general public. How do I know this isn't a? There's no like release parties at Friday at noon all across the world. I yeah, I guess you you would never know. <laughs> and we'll keep it that way. 